I do. And so what I won't step on to that. I'll do the book show for you because that yes. explains exactly why the tour, how the tour, why I'm dressed like this to do a book show, uh, why I'm going to sing, why it's a musical review. Those things have all evolved. Everything, I tried to do things this. I tried to sing, created the ballerina. I tried to do a serious book talk. No, this happened. So I will go into that. It's everything more. In this episode, I'm talking to author and entertainer Yestane Edwards about his book, My Tutu Went AWOL. Oh, hi, Yestane. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. It's lovely to see you, Petra. How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. And uh, I see you're in your lovely tutu. Yes, I thought we'd go for the whole kit and caboodle today. Uh, oh. And as, um, as it's going everywhere and it's through you, no stinting. We've been up very early. I've been warming up, hanging on to, oh, you can't see it, but there's an old Rayburn. I'm house-sitting. So there's this very yeah. old Rayburn. I've been holding on to it, thinking this must have been practically Victorian. And I mm. feel a bit Victorian today. It's a bit creepy. <laughs> but never mind. We're ready. We're ready. <laughs> but, uh, but now, um, uh, first we have to talk about, uh, you wrote a book. And tell me about, uh, just a little bit about this book. Well, I was an experiment, as we'll hear in the show, from Combined Services Entertainment. We wanted a mix of what entertainment they sent out to war zones. I never knew, you'll hear, that it was for Iraq and Afghanistan they were intending, but um, they were. And so it was a stand-up group and then a variety turn at the end. And I was given permission to write a book about those tours. Um, um, and so I did. And that has become quite a thing. And I've been touring this book talk and it's evolved, as you'll hear. Um, so really, I was just a risk that paid off. That I mean, before I went on stage, I'll just tell you, the director of Combined Service Entertainment, before I got my first laugh, she said, you know, either this is going to be OK or I really could be out of the job putting this act on here in Basra. That was how serious. She didn't tell me that. I saw it. She sent me the tour report afterwards where I saw her fear about how we were going to do. Yeah, yeah I was there as well. But now the, the character that you are now um, portraying or, or that you are playing, how do I say that, with the tutu, tell me a little bit about the background of that. Well, see, I saw ballet when I was 18. I was going to study singing at music college, which I did, but was asked to leave because I created this character in my second year of Guildhall. And basically this, the, 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 the powers that be said, we warned you, we wanted more Schumann, less sugar plum, go off and do your variety. So no, that was, that was the truth. I was sort of misusing B31. That's not a drug. It was the German song laboratory. Okay. Um, <laughs> I just saw ballet and I went, what's this? I mean, you know, I just was upset. I still am. I find the ballet is just joyous. I just get joyful. And I wanted to know what it meant. I'd never seen it before. What? And so I had the mimes explain to me, I am the queen of the swans and there's the lake. And then a ballet ballerina was in the bookstore working and, and she started to teach. And, and we, we realized I could just, I was picking up the steps. Then the talking happened and then the, the interview thing. Do, do, and it evolved. It, it snowballed. I started to get private parties. And she's very um, demanding and she's very peremptory. She's very old school Russian. She was in the Kirov when it was the Kirov. And so I researched 15 seconds of stage time. There are 14 books that I 
I worked out how, how much I read. So she, I just made the character. And it's, it's an, as Michael Nunn said, the, you know, one of the ballet boys, it's an idea gone bonkers. <laughs> That's the explanation. But, but do you do you um do you look at or, or do you know if you say you read a lot of books, do you take the mick a little bit out of what is really ballet? I mean, do you? No, not no. the ballet. Okay. I do the ballet straight. What I'm sort of mocking is the diva mannerisms, the sort okay. of very I give me this, I want this. Uh, the, 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 no, I never send off the ballet because the ballets are so beautiful. I, I send up the deep mannerisms. Oh, okay, okay. But um, okay, and Istan, so now you wrote this book, and you have a book tour that you do. Yeah, mm -hmm. I do. And so, what? I won't step on to that. I'll do the book show for you because that yes. explains exactly why the tour, how the tour, why I'm dressed like this to do a book show, uh, why I'm going to sing, why it's a musical review. Those things have all evolved. Everything I try to do things. This I tried to sing, created the ballerina. I tried to do a serious book talk. No, this happened. So I will go into that. It's everything more with me, usually more dramatically than with others sometimes. Okay. And and the title of the book? My tutu went AWOL. Oh, okay. <laughs> and and I, that's I lost it. I lost it in, in, in Kandahar. I couldn't find it in its time up. <laughs> <laughs> off the carousel <laughs> and um, um uh, now so and this is available everywhere in bookshops and amazon yeah, on amazon. amazon i recorded the audiobook uh oh, and i okay. read it myself and i ad lib in it and they left the bloopers in and i sing the songs in it as well so the um amazing the, yeah i love the bloopers being left in there i'm pleased they did that because it's i can't do yeah. accents so they um they they they're filming me and recording me warming up accents which I can't do and in the and one of the characters is from Liverpool I moved him I said he's not from Liverpool anymore this was in the recording he's from Wales because I can do a Welsh accent <laughs> all of that <laughs> why not you're the boss <laughs> yeah. Yeah. okay is that so you're going to do the the whole um the book. I thought so. Why not? Let's see who wants it. And here it is. I will do it as I do this live. I'm just going to do it as it's yeah. going around Cheltenham Festival and Cambridge and all the rest and the Probus and the Women's Institute. This week is mad. I've got a sergeant major's mess. I've got a school assembly in one of the schools down the road. It's just held its Ofsted report. It's been oh. a, a class of a terrible school. I'm going there Monday. Maybe oh, really? that's what they've asked me. <laughs> Women's Institute. All sorts this week. So this is and Zoom shows to here and Wales and 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 everywhere. It's a lovely week this week. Yeah. And so this is what I do. I'm just going to show you what happens. And I I thank you so much because I feel so privileged and now I can see it as well. Okay. Oh, you're very kind. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to just uh, switch to full screen now, and then you're going to do your thing. My prop. There you are. Now, Go for it. here's the start of the show. And what always happens is I have a low-key introduction. Obviously, it's a book festival. They're not going to do the whole, here we are, all the way from Blackpool and, and the CV thing where you put all your big stuff, your telly, your raw gigs. They don't do that. They just say, and here's the next author. Do you know, I have to tell you something. My one big disaster with touring uh, this show. 
I ran into a, a tent and sat down at the round table to start this, the, the, the travel writers. I was late, I was running, I was doing a festival, I wasn't a runner. And they were looking at me strangely, and I had the tutu on, but you know, this is what we do. And then someone got up and she said, right, now welcome to our first speaker who will tell us about gardens. And I thought, oh my goodness, it's like I'd run into the wrong tent. It was about gardens. But it got worse because when I'm trying to sneak out, I heard this, this author just say, I'm just going to tell you a bit about myself. And someone in the audience shouted out, I have not driven three hours to hear you talk about yourself. Please tell us about the distillation of lavender in medieval time. Can you imagine on my way out? So I went, when he came to my talk, I got yeah. him for her. She was, she was so, it was a dread, what a dreadful thing to say. Yeah. Right, stop. <laughs> So I've got, I'm waving this in front of myself after my introduction, you know, I, no. pretend, I said, yeah. you pretend you haven't seen me. And then I'll do my big voice of God all the way from headlining in London, in Blackpool. He has had a private performance for Her Majesty for four series on Channel 4 and four, there's a lot of fours in this introduction, four tours entertaining the troops in Iraq and Afghanistan, please playing Madame Galina Balistar Galactica, welcome, dropping the gauze and the crowd goes wild, Madame Galina Balistar Galactica. Woo! I'm early, I walk around It gets better. I know. <laughs> Smile, darling, it's a night on Zoom. <laughs> what, that's not technically a festival of the Southern Africa? I don't know why. I just do. Wow. <laughs> so that is the opening of my show. And then I do the never fear, ballerinas here, hurrah. Let's try that again. Never fear, ballerinas here, hurrah. Thank you. Such a spontaneous gesture of welcome. You like the pirouettes, huh? Not as yes. easy for me as I just made them look for you. I'm going to let you into a trade secret. I do not have ideal body to be ballerina. No, if you'd like to look, you see what it is. My back is slightly too long for my legs. 
And then I call off being Madame Galina and say, I need to talk to you as me now because I need to explain to you why that is the opening of a book talk, ladies and gentlemen, who've attended, thank you. And why I'm in a tutu and why this is also a musical review. I'm in a tutu because I first started my book tour in Brighton and I wore a suit and it was a very plain blue suit. I looked like an estate agent from Fulham, apparently. <laughs> One of the first questions at the end was, why was your tutu look such a shock getting to Iraq and Afghanistan after the, you know, the comedians in their suits? And I thought if they can't compute drag in Brighton, I'm going to be lost tomorrow in Litchfield. <laughs> I started wearing the dress, you see, which really annoyed my publishers. They sent me an email saying that Penelope Fitzgerald would not have gone to Hay on Y with her squeeze box. Well, <laughs> each to his own. So I carried on wearing the dress. And then why is it a musical review? It is going to be a musical review. It's because the MOD, the Ministry of Defence, they got a bit worried about this show and this talk and what might be in it. And so they waited for me to go to a town called Barnstable. If Barnstable doesn't mean anything to you, just imagine the kind of place where you won't ever go to it again once you've been. You make sure your nearest and dearest will never go to this place. You make sure, you know, you tell your electrician, you tell your plumber, your gardener, don't go to, but you stop random people in the street and say, don't go to Barnstable. So I was going to Barnstable. <laughs> and it's near the War Marine Space in Chivana. So the Ministry of Defence phoned the Royal Marine, who my show and book is, is based upon. I will introduce him properly eventually. They sent him across the estuary. Don't think anything dramatic, you know. <laughs> he didn't kayak across the estuary in the dead of night in a balaclava with the smuts on his face like you see on the Royal Marines adverts. No, he just drove his Lexus around the peninsula. So... He was instructed, don't let your little chum in the tutu know you're coming. Sneak in as the lights are going down, because otherwise he could think ahead in his material and take out anything that is exploitative and or a security risk. So this should have worked in theory. He, he did that. He didn't tell me he was coming. He sneaked in as the lights are going down. But about two minutes in, I did something to really annoy him. And, and I blame myself for everything that I blame myself for doing this. And I blame myself for what happened on stage with him in Iraq. I do accept responsibility. He piped up from the back, uh, princess. He calls me princess, ladies and gentlemen, or tutu boy, or, you know, the Ministry of Defense and the military, they love writing acronyms, you know, initials for everything. So I was down in tour reports after he'd calmed down with me as MLG which apparently stood for My Little Girl. <laughs> my, my Little Girl, Nallory escaped another rocket attack. MLG ran the wrong way when they bombed the airport. I was, you can imagine, I was a little bit, I didn't put anyone else other than myself in danger, but it was a little bit, and so he piped up, Princess, can I just ask you again? I was out in Iraq and Afghanistan doing de-escalation. Please, can you not refer to me as people killer action man. So I know he's there, ladies and gentlemen. And he said, and why aren't you singing? And I said, 
well, it's a serious talk. He said, princess, you can tell me it's a serious talk. You can tell everybody else it's a serious talk. If you want, you can tell them that you're a touring one-man post office, but you're not doing a serious talk because you're wearing your frock of many doilies. <laughs> so why aren't you singing? And I said, well, he, he'd like, you'd like to hear him sing, wouldn't you, ladies and gentlemen? And they would like to hear me sing. And he said, perhaps you'd like to sing them the aria, the song that my nan loves, that Schubert you do, because she's been ill. She's got cholesterol. Ooh. <laughs> and she went to the doctors with her cholesterol and he gave her a pamphlet. And on this pamphlet, it said, the rule of thumb for fats in your diet is never leave teeth marks in butter. So my nan's <laughs> looked at her and she said, that's stupid for a start. How does the doctor expect me to eat my tea cakes without my teeth in? <laughs> so I sang. <laughs> this, is the, this is the opening number. I love him. He's so funny. I'm, I'm just very naughty because I'm too lazy to make up my own material. So, oh, that was so beautiful. 
pointing to the theatre, our baritone has just cancelled on us. He's come down with better gigitis. And I'd like you to replace him, please, as Coco in the Mikado on Thursday. Right, I said, fine, I'm doing that. I can just write. So I went and did Coco. One of our big journalists here, Libby Purvis, Radio 4, used to do midweek. midweek. She came, she had to organize singers for the National Maritime Museum. I went and sang there. The first Sea Lord came and he rang me after the show and said, hello, he's quite posh, warning you. He said, hello, this year marks the 200th anniversary of the Battle of Trafalgar. <laughs> and I've, this, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> he's very posh. <laughs> this year marks the 200th anniversary of the Battle of Trafalgar. <laughs> and Her Majesty is coming on board HMS Victory in the Great Cabin. We're having a supper for her, and we thought we might like to entertain her. And I said, well, what would you normally do? Bore her? <laughs> and he said, that's one thing. In front of Her Majesty, I don't want you to talk. Okay. We'll have a dry run earlier in the year because I've been Googling you. Mm. And he said, I want to know what your musical influences are. I've, I've heard that you're the son of a country and Western singer father. I am, ladies and gentlemen. From the age of five, I was his gimmick in a tassley jacket with daffodils down the front. I used to be dragged on the stage at all the municipal centres around Hampshire, renamed the Ponderosa for the evening. And we used to close the first half following a troupe of all singing, all dancing animal puppets, featuring an emu that belted out anything you can do, I can do better, while Jemima Gerard with a feather boa stripped behind it. <laughs> that explains a lot about what you're watching this morning, ladies and gentlemen. And he also said, your mother, I see, was an opera singer. Yes, I said, and I was waiting to see if he also had Googled that she was a stage psychic banned from theatres around the country in the 70s, this would have been. Which do you want to hear about first? Her failed opera career or her failed career as a stage psychic? Let's have the stage psychic first. She was giving a reading in Aylesbury, and you know you've seen this, where the, the, the psychic comes on and she's doing the whole, and the, I've got something, and she's Welsh. The latest shining over year. I've got a Charlie coming through for this woman in the second row. And Charlie's telling me he's your father, and he did not die of natural causes. Ask your murdering cow of a mother. <laughs> so they didn't want her to do any more of those, not surprisingly. And it was sad because, as I've said, I ruined her first career, ladies and gentlemen, by being born. Because she'll tell you, she'll tell you, I had the rarest form of operatic voice gifted to me from generations back even though there was an adoption in our family and they all worked for the water board in my steg, I still had the magical voice. A contralto with full coloratura facility, she said, could have taken me to the top of the operatic tree. And then when the calls were coming, I was pregnant with you and I gave birth. You practically fell out in the corridor of St. Stephen's Hospital, weighing 13 pounds. I'm not saying, ladies and gentlemen, that I was a fat baby, <laughs> but when her waters were about to break across three counties, they did issue flood warnings. <laughs> to give you a burst of her great, by Stedford winning classic, Ruthini's Naqui Alafano. 
Rossini's Nakpiala Fanno, except in my family, it's known as Oops, yes, didn't knackered your family. So that <laughs> was the influence hanging over my head, going for this dry run to sing for Her Majesty on the edge of the Obviously, I went in my black tie up the gangway. I wasn't wearing this or anything silly. I got into the great cabin, and there on the mannequin was one of Nelson's own uniforms. The jacket, which of course was short because he was 5'1". I, I was stunned by that, just that was stunning. But in the corner, and I'll tell you what, not short at all, was this Royal Marines commando. He is six feet two, he is baby of face, he is blue of eye, and he is rocky of outcome. So of course I go and say hello, I say hello, and he's looking at me. Hello, sir. If you're a civilian, you're immediately an officer, which he, you'll see, forgets when we get to Iraq. Hello, sir. And the first sea lord said, this is Snacks. He's about to be deployed to Iraq. And I said, goodness, are you scared? And he said, no, I'm too well trained. And I think this is going really well. And I said, but I have to notice something. You've got a little scar here. Was that from shrapnel? He said, I am aware, sir, that I have a little scar here. No, it wasn't from shrapnel, sir. It was from my father being a bit premature, taking the stabilizers off my kiddie bicycle. <laughs> then the first sea lord said, luckily, Yeston is dressed down today, because I was in my black tie, I wasn't dressed as this, which he described as trailing talcum powder in clouds and wearing unconscionable knickers. So he was very pleased that I was dressed down. He said, because I'm too often, too often to be seen dressed as Madame Galena, Ballet Star Galactica, which if you know anything about Royal Marines and what they like to get up to, you will know already got Stax's interest. And he said, how did you get into the track then? And I said, oh, age 12, I played Sandy in a school production of Greece. And the first sea lord again said, that's probably the same as our steward Wendy, how he got into drag. He's not really called Wendy, our steward. He's called Darren. But we let him be Wendy every other Tuesday behind the bar <laughs> and ring for your gin. And he comes through in a dropped waist, décolleté, with a beauty spot where you never want a beauty spot. He got into drag playing Mabel at, at Ethan in the Pirates of Penzance. And I had to admit, sorry, nothing is glamorous for me. I got into drag playing Sandy in Greece at a comprehensive, and it was a mixed school, not all boys, because I was the only pupil there, girls or boys, age 12, with both the high notes for Hopelessly Devoted to You and the cleavage for You're the One That I Want. <laughs> and then the first Sea Lord's wife, she was a guest and she said, can we have a little encore from you? Blow the wind southerly, southerly, southerly. Blow the wind south over the morning blue sea. Blow the wind southerly, southerly, southerly. Blow morning breeze. 
Sein Brillen Hirn to me. They told me last night there were ships in me or feet. And I hurried down to the deep rolling sea. But my eye could not see it. Wherever might be it, the bark that is buried, my lover, to me. Blow the wind, sad, be sad, be sad. Blow the wind, south over the bonny blue sea. Blow the wind, south be sad, be sad. Blow, bonnie breeze, and bring him to me. Oh, is it not sweet to hear the breeze singing as lightly it comes o'er the deep rolling sea? But sweeter and dearer it is when it's bringing the bark of my lover in safety to me. Blow the wind, sorry, sorry, sorry. Blow the wind, south over the bonny blue sea. Blow the wind, sorry, sorry, sorry. Blow bonny breeze. And bring to me. Oh, Isain, that is so beautiful. Thank you. Oh, we need to let you choose, Paul. The audience, we need to let you choose because I'm sorry, I'm bowing in different ways, not because I'm desperate for applause. But because I get confused being a variety term with the anecdotes, the ballet, the whole thing, which bow to use. So I'll tell you what, we will let you choose, ladies and gentlemen, which bow I'm going to use after the subsequent musical numbers. We'll play pick a bow, any bow. Would you like heartfelt operatic type bow? Don't decide yet. The other two might be more rubbish. Would you like the cheeky chappy type bow? Or shall we go again with our scarf from the beginning and we do the Royal Shakespeare Company bow where you let them know you're coming, let them know you're coming, let them know you're coming and you're out and you drop like a felled camel. Would you like bow one, two or three? I would like bow three. <laughs> right. That's usually the case. We'll go with bow three. <laughs> so, I choked myself on my own funniness. Hang on. <laughs> so, I get the gig for Her Majesty. Nothing much to tell you about that. It's just, I remember when she, I was bowing and she was applauding, I thought, I wish she'd take her gloves off because it's deadening the sound of her applause. <laughs> and then I swear to you, the first sea lord, it's like he set me up because I rang him and said, thank you so much for that corporate. And I'd like some more of them. I'm just thrilling to do, thinking I could go and sing at the officer's mess at the Hilton in Park Lane. And he said, well, phone combined services entertainment, you know, they deal with all the leisure activities for the military. So I ring them. They don't want me to sing. But they also didn't want the poetry circle or there were two ladies offering to go out. Because I don't know. You have to know something. I don't at any point know that what they're planning for the mix-up of the acts and everything 
Is it for Iraq and Afghanistan? It doesn't occur to me it's for war zones. I'm only trying to do it for officers mess at the Hilton because I've just sung for the Queen. You know, obviously I'm not going to be sent out to the Villa Well. More for me. Never name the well from which you will not drink, as Margot Fontaine remembers. An old Egyptian saying that Fontaine used to be used. So <laughs> I'm naming the well from which I never drink. They said, before you hang up, though, because they don't want me to sing, they said, your name is very unusual. It is very unusual. The Royal Marine himself couldn't spell it. They said, are you the Yestin who, by any chance, we've been keeping tabs on since Edinburgh that does this drag ballerina, Madame Polina? I said, I will own up to being that very presence. Why? They said, we want to book a variety turn. I said, I am a variety turn. <laughs> no. And they want one, we want one that looks fluffy. Obviously, they can't see over the phone. I mean, here I am looking very fluffy. We need one with skills, you know, pirouettes and stuff. And you saw the pirouettes at the beginning because you have to impress Royal Marines because they're physical monsters themselves. Otherwise, they kick off. I'm still not getting this, that it's, why would they be kicking off the officer's mess? You know, I'm not, I'm still not, because I'm just thinking, oh, my goodness, they love me, they love me. And they said, would you please come in for an audition? And I said, I will. I went in for an audition. And um, my act is all about... The, after the dance and everything, we discover my dancing partner. Sorry, going back into character, I may as well show you this rather than show and don't tell the gracious <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I have seriously let you down. I was introduced as the great ballet partnership and my dancing partner, Zander Parrish from the Mariinsky. He is at Heathrow still. They have put him in a side room. And it is not customs. It is not quarantine. It is a very rare form of irrigation. That's a slow burn, Dad. You're never going to get it. So, and then, 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 of course, never, I audition men out of the audience to replace Zander Parish. And we do the scarf, you know, with this, hold my scarf. It's, it's a lovely moment of. You know, and, and get, it's sort of put your hands just under my floating ribs. Don't dig with them. This is ballet, not SM, all of this. But you know, <laughs> and, and then I die of the snake bite. You know, when she dies of the snake bite. And you're so distraught at my death that you try to revive me. Obviously, that's not in the ballet. And, and I was, whether or not he goes for the kiss of life, my line out of that is always, it's always worth a try going for the mouth to mouth, ladies and gentlemen. With Royal Marines, you can give them a choice of end. So, but, <laughs> it's naughty. but the sweetest moment, you know, when she's let go of the scarf, no, she's still got the scarf, she's still got the scarf, so she does the, um, step, step, all of that gorgeous stuff. And you know, she, she's got, she wraps herself up in it. And, and I say to him, and you look at me with great love, and that moment, the boy, if he's, he always gets a, a scream because he's always either grabs me to him or just this look of adoration. I always corpse there, always makes me laugh. And so that, that, so that happened. But the Combined Services Entertainment Office, where I went for my audition, it was all women in the, the thing. So I'm just doing the pattern thinking, what am I, it didn't, I mean, what kind of narrow mind do I have that, you know, I don't think just get a, a woman out of because I once did my set for an LGBTQI app thing and danced with this wonderful lesbian called Olga. And it was one of the most freeing things because I think, why had I never, do you know, I did my mother, am I that, I don't know, it's a very bizarre thing, it's been Welsh. 
so um, I thought, what am I going to do today? And, and I thought I might have to just lesbianize the crux of my act, you know. <laughs> and then the door opened and in came Brian, <laughs> who was going to redo the toner on the photocopier. And see, so the whole thing they needed to know is they needed, I'm mean, fluffy, but they, they needed to know, does he have enough gob, remember, when the Royal Marines kick off, you know. So Brian comes in, so I wrote Brian in to do the scarf by the days I've just been the kid, the whole lot. And there are two things. Combined Services Entertainment now know that I have enough gob on me <laughs> to deal with Royal Marines. And two, Brian is still on beta blockers to this day. So I signed on the dotted line and I still don't know. And they sit, they sit me down and they say, right, a security talk. And I'm like, what? Why for the Hilton? I live in Kennington. I'm not going to worry about Park Lane, you know. But, but you can only guarantee your security up to 90%. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> they say, you will have to wear a Kevlar helmet and a metal jacket. Well, well that's going to make pirouettes a bit difficult. I'm thinking, okay, with the, but you know, you're paying me, I'll wear what you want. They then said, you will have to bed down behind the wire with the squaddies. <laughs> oh, that's an unexpected purpose. <laughs> And then the kisser, what would you be like with the desert conditions, the camel spiders, and the threat of insurgency attack? I nearly fainted. They've got the signature. I have had goat's cheese and string fries at their expense. The MOD, I thought, can compel me to go. They knew after a while I'd auditioned, not realizing, and they said to me afterwards, after all was done and dusted, you could have just owned up and said, sorry, I auditioned thinking it was for this. I'm not going to Iraq. Next thing that's happening, I'm on a TriStar, ladies and gentlemen, which is a recommissioned jumbo jet. When you get to the military airports, there I am, terrified out of my head, but I'm still looking at this thing thinking, at least I was hoping to fly out to Iraq by accident on something that looked like Thunderbird 3 and not that thing that looks like Orville, the cartoon albatross. <laughs> we get on it. We get over Iraqi airspace. You know, and the, the squaddies, I'm seeing them in front of me. The only one of them slept the whole way. They only woke him up to eat food. So he's literally asleep, I swear to you, eating food. And then, <laughs> and then puts the tray down and he doesn't move. One of them's playing the most bloodthirsty war game. And I'm looking up thinking, what about the quick I watch a lot of ballet in my spare time. And then we get to it over Iraqi airspace. And the pilot says, right, lights off. They switch the lights into blackout in the cabin of the plane, right? You're in your metal jacket and your, 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 your Kevlar helmet. And then he starts helter-skeltering this Jumbo jet, all filled the cartoon albatross, helter-skeltering it down into Basra Airport because from the ground up is a flak attack going on. <gasps> Halfway down the plane, apparently you can still hear me singing, Nearer, my God, <laughs> nearer to thee. Somehow we get down safely, ladies and gentlemen. All the color is now gone out of your world. There are fires on the horizon, which is, when I asked, was explained. The insurgents are boil, burning the oil to stop the infidel having use of it. There is constant noise from generators, from helicopters overhead. So they're here, they're, they're this. They were bombing the airport. 
It's sand, dust, those halogen lights. It's just hell. In, 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 I'm not exaggerating because the stacks Marine hates when journalists do that. He came out with a classic where, where we, uh, we were touring with a journalist who wrote, he was recording into a dictaphone and he said, and Stax was sitting there and he said, um, it's hell on earth. It's 120 degrees. I'm in a vehicle. It's pitch black. And Stax took the dictaphone off him and said, it's winter in Iraq. It's nowhere near that. Or, and it's not pitch black because this vehicle is fitted with a safety feature, which is the windscreen for the driver to see out of. Cop on, gave him a <laughs> Don't over-egg your pudding about the danger. <clears throat> and in the midst of this, though, was an orange and chrome recommissioned school bus, which is our transport. So we get on that. And it's got sandbags up the floor. And of course, I live by the coast. And I said, why are the sandbags on here? It's the desert. It's not going to flood, is it? <laughs> and also, though, at the windows are little gingham curtains. And I'm obsessed. I'm OCD opening and closing these because it's the only sign that, 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 of, of civilization. And they tell me, don't break them. They were sent out by the East Grinstead Women's Sewing Circle. And I tell you this because my mother, when I rang her to tell her I was going to rock, you must only tell your nearest and dearest. You can't, so I had to phone my parents. She said, oh, that's exciting. Exciting. She said, shall I go to Waterloo Action Centre to send out knitted balaclavas and scarves? I said, no, don't tell anyone. <laughs> I phoned my dad, though, in Norwich. He dropped the phone. And then my stepmother came on. No wonder I go for the transient love of an audience with my parents. My stepmother came on the line. I said, she said, what have you just told him? I said, I'm going to Iraq to entertain the troops. She said, oh, you go and do that. Good luck to you. Well done. I'm the one left with your poor father whose eczema's coming out around his scalp now, <laughs> like someone's just <laughs> a pomegranate and put it in the microwave. But you, bugger off. So, yeah, nice. Very nice. So <laughs> we get to the base. And there is an anti-blast wall now, and there's this clicky black plastic walkway. For some reason, it reminded me, because the anti-blast wall's got the chicken wire over the top, and this walkway. Do you know when Scout uh, is, is in the chicken wire costume in, in To Kill a Mockingbird? That's what, always, everything is a book reference coming up during this tour. The Prime of Miss Jean Brody at one point, Map and Lucia Don't Ask Me How, some Thomas Mann, but also... These things are all going because it's just crackers, it's crackers. And then we see our Royal Marine liaison out there, ladies and gentlemen, who is guess who? Six feet two, baby of face, blue of eye, rocky of outcrop. It is stuck <laughs> from on board the HMS Victory. And I say again, hello. Wow. And he looks down at me and he says, of all the bases in all the war zones, in all the world, she walks into mine. I take it you're this Madame Galena Ballet Star Galactica thing at the end of the evening. I've been referring to the show as Four Comedians and It. <laughs> I want you to stay behind and need a word after I've given you the general security briefing. So then he looked at all of us very seriously, very slowly, eagle eye action man, drew himself up to his full height and gave us the security briefing. Welcome, our funny funsters, to Iraq. It is alert amber. That means it is not good. 
You will wear your body armor and your Kevlar helmet all the time. If you really need to take it off so that you can eat scoff. Scoff is food. Scoff is not an ironic take on the name of the chef, S-Scoff-E-A. I guess you hope. If you need to take it off, scoff, you will be able to put it back on with the Velcro correctly fastened and straight and with your name showing clearly within 30 seconds. If an alarm, when I mean an alarm sounds and you have to get under hard cover, you get there immediately and you stay there until we tell you it is safe to emerge from hard cover. All of you dismissed, apart from the ballerina thing, stay behind. <laughs> and now he's looking down at me and I'm looking up at him. And he said, I've watched your little show on YouTube. I am newly decorated. I am to be respected. You are not to chivy me on stage to join in with your tiddle idle thud in your frock of many doilies. You are to leave me alone at the back of the venue unmolested. Okay, I said. He said, you're a very unusual choice of act to bring out here. Am I? Yes, he said. Another thing, we are easing you in gently. This afternoon's first gig will only have me as a raw marine in it. We are keeping other raw marines from it to just not give you the baptism of fire that probably you will end up deserving. One last thing, don't die on my watch. You've got such a funny Welsh name, I can't spell it, for your death certificate, your body bag, and an indelible pen on your forehead, dismissed. <laughs> Welcome to Iraq. So I go off with the comedians <laughs> to my tent, thank you, and he, Goes to tell, he's a devout Catholic, I'm not criticising that, but he goes to tell his rosary after this, because someone saw him, and he told the last bead, pointed to my tent, and said, and give me strength. <laughs> so, we're there, we're there now. And have we been misled? What was that first gig full of? That first gig was full of Royal Marines, ladies and gentlemen because they've been on patrol and seen on a poster, me in the drag. And as Stax himself, when he'd calmed down, said, expecting Royal Marines commandos to stay away from a show with drag in it, is like expecting a politician to go for a colonic and not get a doggy bag. <laughs> Don't blame me for that, that's a Royal Marines flag. So they're all down the track between you, they're all in war mode and the normal ranks are on this side and they're on fighting the same war or everyone in the room but raw marines are the worst gate crashes and it's nervous and there's a bit of atmosphere and into the bit of atmosphere unexpected in the dress and i was told by raw the combined sense of entertainment you're either going to be the wow factor or the what the and it was a bit of the second more. But I'm quite calm because I've got on stage a wing commander, a half colonel and a colonel to do the audition for the scarf part of the... So I'm doing the whole colonel a bit more, you know. What? Yeah, the, and the boys are thinking, oh, 
this is fun watching our colonel get embarrassed. So I'm thinking, oh, maybe I won't get them to fly me home. I'm slightly more settled. Then the Royal Marines spot the roughest and the biggest and the recently decorated one of their number and they shove stacks on the stage. The wing commander, the colonel and the half colonel, they leave me to it. They're not getting in the middle of this. And I'm looking up at him. <laughs> and he's looking down at me. And I'm looking up at him. And he's looking down at me. <laughs> One last time. I'm looking up at him. <laughs> and he's looking down at me. And all I can think of is that it's a dry camp, which is irrelevant. That means there's no booze. And it was my fault. This is the second thing that's my fault. I'm afraid I cupped his genitals. And I said, it's a dry camp, but here's rising damp. The whole place was not, you know, when you've just asked a plumber or a builder or a mechanic for an estimate for work and you get that intake of breath and then they say, it's going to cost you. I, I swear to you, the whole room did that. It's going to cost you. He had his hand down the back of here. He grabbed the tutu underwiring, yanked it up, flipped me over his shoulder and he ran out of the venue. So, of course, they do give chase. They're not leaving. But he knows this space. He doubled back, avoiding them. He ran to the wire. There was a strategically placed tank at the wire and he upended me and he was about to stuff me head first in the hull <laughs> of this. But he saw there was a journalist, you know, the journalist over-egging. The, 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 uh, he saw him, he was filming this. So he put me down, Stats, and he did the whole, just all in front, brushing. <laughs> he said, I won't stuff you in the tank. I'm standing. He stood me on the, the on the tank because he said, that is the naughty tank. And I'm now looking down at him and he's looking up at me. <laughs> and he said, if you want to avoid not being stuffed in tank, I'd get you to sing what I particularly liked from your recital for Her Majesty on Victory. And I said, that's all right. What was it called? So I remember that I'd done on the Exodus Victory, I'd done some French songs that, you know, when English singers, the rest of the world probably hates this, when English singers slightly mistranslate French songs. So I was just doing this as the comedy bit. So I was singing, The autumn leaves have clogged the downpipe. <laughs> I'm just nonsense like that. And I also did, this is true, I did... Um, the Welsh song, and they said, the first little said, but Her Majesty won't understand it. Um, do you think you could translate as we go along? And I said, well, yeah. I said, the first two verses are quite normal, but the third's quite Welsh. First verse is sort of, my love is fairer than the lily, my love. It's a bit like uh, the Schumann setting of, what's that in? Uh, uh, so it's like this, but the third verse goes, I have a cow lives on the house in front of me. Sorry, sorry, can't gone into the German, going back into the Welsh. <laughs> I have a cow lives on the beach in front of my house. If you look closely, you'll see it has three silver horns. If you look more closely, you'll wish you hadn't have done. <laughs> because you'll see it has a singular ability for milking itself. <laughs> so none of those are like songs. Now listen, I don't want you to think, well, it is sort of bullying, this dumped on the tank. 
But um, um, and, and at this moment now, it couldn't get any worse. Yes, it could, because the insurgents started shelling. And I'm above the tank, remember, above the wire in this fluffy gear. So I'm quite a conspicuous target. So of course, I'm just waiting for him to let me down. And he doesn't. He leaves me up there. And I said, sorry, shouldn't, shouldn't we, find he's down here, shouldn't we be worried about this? And he said, of course we should be worried. I wouldn't leave you up there if it was something to worry about, would I? Because what did I tell you? Don't die on my watch. I'm not going to kill you on my watch because I can't spell your name on your forehead or your body bag or your death certificate. <laughs> We've just annoyed them a bit this morning. And I said, how did you annoy them this morning? And as I am standing here, what the Royals and Marines had done to annoy the insurgents that morning had, because they could see the insurgents had their, them in their telescopic sights because of the glinting of the lens, the Royal Marines all sat in a row for 45 minutes, completely still and silent, staring back at them. And then on the count of three, all stood up and did the patty cake dance and sat back down again. And that really annoyed <laughs> And anyway, so it's not really bullying going on. Well, it is. But we've bonded now, Staps and I. He taught me to drive in a Saracen and... I got his voice back. He Obviously, you can imagine, he's shouty for parade. If they've ever got parade drill, and they had a brigadier out for one weekend, um, it was the same brigadier who complained about the uh, the sideburns. It's a true story, because I told you Stax was decorated. Stax yeah. uh, pulled the most incredible bravery, uh, not stunt, but that's as good a word as any for now, in Iraq, and the first Sea Lord flew out to present him with the medal. And the Royal Marines were playing football when the first Sea Lord got there. So they tried to delay him, sir, the ultimate head of the Navy, from, from watching the football, but he wouldn't be delayed. And he walked round the side of HQ, and there on the pitch were two teams of Royal Marines, one in drag, one naked, you see. <laughs> First Sea Lord told me this story and he said they hunt as a pack. Everything they do, they do in sync. So the naked team, seeing their ultimate boss, apart from Her Majesty, the ultimate boss, they were exactly in sync, preparatory to running, cupping their balls. And then line up in front of him, all there, and he's got a medal <laughs> to present. And Stax is on the naked team. <laughs> so there's the first Sea Lord. Where, yeah, where do you? <laughs> to me, I was going to suggest, of course, he put it through one of my nipples, but I didn't think it was quite the occasion. So Stax said reverentially low. Stax said, thank you very much, sir. Thank you for flying out to present it to me. It's a great privilege. Think nothing of it. And took the medal and pinned it in his hair like Carmen with her rose. <laughs> <laughs> That's how he got decorated. But... The photograph of the, they were dressed again, but the photograph of him with the other, the, you know, this, the thing, it got into the papers. A brigadier noticed that some of them had their sideburns too long and said he was going to fly out and himself measure their sideburns when he got there. So he did that, but they got wind of that. So what they did was completely shave all their sideburns off. So they all lined up for him to measure their sideburns. They have no sideburns. So he, was so <laughs> he retaliated by calling a drill, which Stax had to do because he's, you know, 
the shoutiest one. But Stax had a sore throat. He lost his voice. So me, being quite a voice expert, he came to me and he said, is there anything? And I said, yes, leave it to me. I had him doing saline douches, you know, salt water up both nose to get it all going. Brown sauce from the naffy on Christmas bacon and then just dump the brown sauce down your throat. And then I got a straw and I made him, you know, make all his sounds into a straw and that lubricates. And I got his voice back for him. It took me Amazing. two hours to get his voice back for him. But the first, the, 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 the brigadier then said, as it was a Sunday, there could be no obscenities during the break. So Stax <laughs> had his straw. So, so he's going, quick, march, you to the, you, for the love of... <laughs> <laughs> So he got away with it that way. So, <laughs> he's rather lovable, our boy. And I'd like to tell you quite a serious thing and then a very touching thing that makes me my most proud to have been a mascot to Four Two Commando Stacks. One is, 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 is the harrowing one, that they were going door to door, um, making sure that the villagers, this is north of Basra, had electricity and running water, which you probably remember seeing on the news happening and would often lead to the villagers being murdered by the insurgents for accepting help from the infidel. And there was a couple and they had a son of about eight and a daughter of about three. And through the interpreter, they were, no, we don't need anything. You can just pass on to the next house. So they passed on to two houses. And in that house where the people said they needed no help, a grenade detonated. They came running. So the Marines obviously hit, 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 hit the deck on the other side of, of, of a, a hillock, just waiting, watching what was going on. Um, apart from Rinkdink, who heard the screaming, so he was on his feet and running. He shouldn't have done that. They were saying, Marines, come back. No, Rinkdink was running. He was a medic. The family came back out, and the mother, through the interpreter, shouting now that the, the eight-year-old had decided that the grenade that was in the house for whatever reason was a toy and had pulled the pin out of it. And he had sheared his sister's scalp. Uh, it was hanging. So Rinkdink, the medic, wrapped her in his desert scarf to the helicopter. They had a six and a half hour flight, which was the nearest place for them to find a hospital with a CAT scan. Ran the medics on board the helicopter and Rinkdink, they did what they could, they kept her alive. And they ran into the hospital. And as Rinkdink was running into the hospital with her, there was a VIP tour over from the UK. And he heard a man in this tour group say, what a sin it was that this enemy kid could have a CAT scan out there when someone in his constituency over in the UK had to wait 11 months. This made Rinkdink's blood boil. But because the man's a civilian, he's also an officer. Remember, if you're a civilian, you're an officer, which, of course, me standing still on the tank, Stats seems to have forgotten. Rinkdink waited because he knew that this man would have to obey the call of nature. And eventually he did. He came out into the compound to use a portaloo. And as Rinkdink said to me, you know what it is with portaloos? When you're big and strong like I am, they can so easily tip over door to the floor so he dealt with that but the other thing i'm very proud of oh wow was, um, stats i know i love that story <laughs> Rinkdink, yeah, oh, definitely. Um, uh, 
Isn't it brilliant that? I love that. Um, yeah. And, and, and Dax did a fun run between Kandahar, this was in Afghanistan, obviously. I have to make it clear that it's Afghanistan or Iraq only because Dax, when he read my diaries to check the material, he had to take out one thing. He said, you keep putting how beautiful the view is from Basra of the Himalayas. <laughs> They're not in Iraq. <laughs> so I have to think, where am I? Where am I? So, um, but he did like that. I said that the color of dried faded ink. Thank you. Look at me on the creative <laughs> writing course. So, um, Stack did this fun run between Kandahar and um, Kabul and gave most of the money to naval hardship funds, which I was doing at the National Maritime Museum myself. And kept some back, though, to buy his grandmother's last remaining friend, Edna Johnson, her own transistor radio. Uh, Stax, his granny, was a church organist, which is why Stax got to look after the CSE tour and to guard me on Her Majesty the Christmas Victory because of me singing, because he told them his granny was a church organist, so they give him all the artistic stuff to do. And Edna Johnson wrote a letter which got over to the base thanking them for this transistor radio. And it was on the wall of the Major Stove and Bradford's office. Um, and I saw it there because we went to ask Major Stove and Bradford permission for me to run up and down the Himalayas, which are in Afghanistan, they are, because <laughs> I needed to stretch my hamstring because I tore my hamstring to two and a half degree. And as Stax himself said, down the back of it, it looked like pureed, pureed canary. It was earth, <laughs> ghastly. I, was, I, thought I, to, I, know, I was hopping on the other foot. And for bless Stax, though, four times a day, this was after he calmed down with me because he was coming back to the tent again to bollock me. But I used to dry my pink ballet tights on the anti-blast wall, which drove him mad. He was coming to tell me off and we were still not getting on. But I was outside my um, tent sewing my ballet shoes and the younger squaddies were sitting around me and I was asking them questions and they were telling me that they were, and he realised Madam Galena becoming Mummy Galena. That's uh -huh. when I stopped wanting to shoot you. So <laughs> he, um, he took me to the gym four times a day to help stretch it and rehabilitate it so I could carry on the tour. We'd go first thing after breakfast and then in the afternoon and go warming up on the cross trainer and then after the gig, I'd go in still in the costume and warm down, except the Americans, it was their gym, would ask me to leave because they have a no bare arms rule. So I'd have to come back with a shawl. Um, <laughs> and that did really bless him. And, 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 so, and I'll tell you about the gym, though. The, so the three most gung-ho services of the, the, the Brits here, the Americans here, and the Canadians at the back of this gym when I was on the cross trainer on the incline. And... The Royal Marines had normal PE kits on and they were doing their weights. The Americans were warming up to garage music before they played human ping pong with medicine balls. And the Canadians, they were all doing yoga while one of them played the guitar. And it's the Canadians though, because they, they discovered all the thing between mood and everything else. The Brits on their walls had um, glamour model posters you know, and the Americans are not allowed anything like that. And they had wrestling heroes. The Canadians, because of their research, they had adverts for probiotic yogurt on those. <laughs> but they, you know, this gut research that's come out now, this is 2006. The Canadians were well ahead of the curve doing really? the thing about probiotics and the effect on the mind. Yeah. Mm. 
So, sorry, that's just a detail. So on, as I say, I saw this thank you letter. Sorry, I'm going to bring it up. Um, I do remember it. Um, from the, um, oopsie, maybe I'm not going to bring it up. This thank you letter from uh, Edna Johnson. Yeah. Dear Fortu Commando, and in particular, my beloved Stacks, God bless you for the gift of the transistor radio. I'm 97. I live at the Larch Trees Rest Home in Marsden. My family has long since passed away, and I very rarely have visitors, which makes the gift of the radio most especially welcome. My roommate, Maggie Cook, has had her own radio for as long as we've shared. She's always listened to it with an earpiece or with the volume too low. For some reason, she's never wanted to share it with me. When she was listening to it last Sunday, Desert Island Discs, if I remember rightly, she accidentally knocked her little radio off its shelf. It smashed into many pieces, causing her to cry. It was so sad. Knowing I had my radio, your lovely, lovely gift, she asked if she could borrow it. I told her to go fuck herself. <laughs> Bless you for your kindness to an old forgotten lady. Sincerely yours, Edna Johnson. <laughs> Isn't that bad? I love that. I love that. Oh, this <laughs> is amazing. I'm still, remember, I'm still on the tank, though. I haven't sung the right, sorry. I'm still on the tank. I haven't sung the right song to be lifted down. So let's see if this happens. I, I thought we'd have some more. His big favourite song is Schubert, the Erlkönig. So we're going to have that. So I'm going to mm. do... A little bit of telling you the story, it's quite complicated, um, that the father, am I still in, the father is, it's, it's narrator, father, son, and, and the, 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 this ghastly elf king. And the narrator is, is here's the father riding through the night, and the, the, he's got the kid warm in his arms, and um, what's the panic? And the father saying to the kid, what is the panic? What, what is this? And the, the child, though, can see the elf king. And he can hear the elf king calling to him and promising him that they're going to have fun and that his daughter's coming. And every time the, 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 the kid is more and more terrified, telling his father, but can't you hear him talking? Can't you? His daughter's there. And then, and then oh, now. And then, and then he says, Father, he's, he's hurt me. He's, 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 grabbed, he's grabbed hold of it because the, the elf king said, if you don't come willingly with me, I'm going to take you by force, you know? And the father rides and rides and he gets off the horse at the end and in his arms. The child was dead. <gasps> so, this is the song that hopefully gets me back off the tank. Er 
Meine Töchter fühlen die nächtigen Wein und wiegen und tanzen und singen dich ein und wiegen und tanzen und singen dich ein. Mein Vater, mein Vater, und siehst du mich dort, erkennst Töchter am düsteren Ort. Mein Sohn, mein Sohn, ich sehe es genau, es scheinen die alten Weiden so grau. Ich liebe dich, mich reißt deine schöne Gestalt, und bist du nicht willig, so brauch ich Gewalt. Mein Vater, mein Vater, jetzt fasst er mich an. Er König hat mir ein Leid getan. Den Vater glaubt, er reitet geschwind. Er hält ihn allmen des Wechselnden Kind. Im Hof mit Mühe und Not. In seinen Armen das Kind war tot. Oh, wow. This was mesmerizing. Oh, thank you. Really? That is the song, ladies and gentlemen, that is the song that you have to sing to prevent the Royal Marines Commando from stopping <laughs> you in the house. <laughs> if you want to know how to get out of that, you sing El Kony. Um, <gasps> and that, that is my show. Um, oh. And that's it. 
Oh, this was amazing. Really. Oh, thank uh, you. I really thank you so much. You know, I I see your your um your um posts on Facebook and I think the whole time I think I so would love to come and see you. I really would love to see you live. And now you've done this for me on Zoom and it's amazing. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you for asking me. It's lovely. And just share, share, would it be wonderful? Yeah. And also, we will do it so that you see it. So, of course, when I do it live, what I do is I say this is, I do a short version, the mm -hmm. opening of the ballerina. I get someone to, the, 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 I will plant a heckle. Shh, don't tell anyone, plant a heckle. And then we'll tell just the story of trying to stuff me in the tank with the song. And then we'll do it how it's meant to go. So then we'll go back and do the boys out of the audience. So it's like a variety turn. Yeah. But it's fun to do it just live like this and just do the book show. Live, yeah, it's but, live. It's not but, it's live but, on Zoom. Yeah, it's not live. It's just like not a Zoom show, Petra. Thank you. Yeah, but may I ask the ballerina something? Yes, of course. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> let's go let's go with it oh i love now. i love her she's she's just adorable um but how was it for you in the war zone when you think well, of the main thing is of course that that you can't afford to take out so many pairs of tights and so what is brilliant about it is you have plain white tights and the, the naffy tea which they bring in a bucket is ideal because, because if you play one of the roles I play, which is one of the, the girls who end up dying, which most of the roles are, I mean, I can't, only Coppelia lives, doesn't she? And the, 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 it makes it the right color of flesh color. You dye it in tea and then you dye, dry it on the anti-blast wall. So it's just those things you have to have enough. And you know, when I didn't have a makeup mirror, you know, the wonderful boys in the ninth squadron, they noticed I was struggling. What they did, they set up my dressing room. So they moved as a, like a, eating pipe like an anaconda and they put the mouth of the anaconda above where I was going to get changed and they caught him they put the curtain and they gave me my own mug with the spoon I was in the included in the tea run you know but when they realized I had no makeup because I was beside this hangar in Bastion you don't have like a nice mirror with the lights around it in Camp Bastion you know they drove a jeep out so that I could then use the side mirror and do my makeup and one of them marvelously because you have to darn your ballet shoes he said i will make better darning for you and i never allow anyone but of course you're not going to argue he's out there and yeah. so i just thought let's be kind and just and he you've never seen neater stitches in your life i have kept that shoe because yeah. the teeny tiny stitches that they that he did out there so there were things because you are of course you're in danger but you have to get yourself on a stage and you have to do a performance of nikia with your scarf you have to do that and that is all that we were there for and to be mumsy with them and to find out something about them which is anathema to a performer because performers you know they only talk about themselves but you know i found you have to ask questions and then yeah. So it was, it was a very, you either like laughing way or you're just crying because it's just insane out there. Oh, amazing. <laughs> oh, you have had such a great experience, I'm sure. I mean, life-changing. Yeah. yeah, that sounds much more exciting than the Royal Opera House stage.
I'd like it to work with all the past stage. The closest I've got is one of the studios. I would like to, I'd like to be able to tell you that, but maybe being a guest on the, the New Year's Eve um, play the mask or something, you know? Yeah. It, yeah. Oh you never, never say die. Name the wealth from which you will not drink, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Stane, I want to ask you now, what, what is your wish for the future? I think this show to keep the, all the things, because Humphrey Burton lives down the road. He, he told me, put everything on the same stage. He said he's seen a lot of things that I've been doing. And he said, um, yes, go into opera. I do want to go. I want to do, I tell you what has just happened that's wonderful. And this is a dream yeah. that I have sat for someone who was stuck and I didn't, I didn't ask her for money. So she just drives me places. It's one lovely things. And she was then, she has horses. She was delivering manure, like you are, to some members of Amici, the ensemble that both play in the Academy of St. Martin's in the Fields. So she mentioned me as a house sitter because they were stuck for a house sitter themselves. And they are now going to, we're going to do some Schubert in, in recital, there and I, simply because she was, so that is a dream to, to, mm. to, to do some Schubert, which I adore. Schubert, um, even more than, in a way, more than opera, um, my dream is to, to go back and, and, and do Lida again, because I think the repertoire is, I mean, I'm still a bit fluffy sometimes with the German because I'm just so nervous and also having to talk into the dance and the whole thing. It's just yeah. uh, to try and read yourself is so difficult, you know, or it's a munch the scream, I'm sure, oh, oh, oh. it's tricky. <laughs> I would love to do some Schubert in, the, you know, a group of Schubert when they do it, one of the quintets or something it would be divine. That would be divine. That's my head. Um, I want my second book to come out. I'm, I'm sending that to agents now. The Devil Made Your Todger. Just to express myself, but also to give people... A, I, yesterday I did this show live for the Leon C U3A. And the response is one to the singing like you've had. That, that's very touching because it's new to me. I've only really sounded like this for the last few months. Um, and... And it's been a lot, the brain power in retraining because all the stuff I've been singing for years and to retrain it in your new technique, you know this yourself, it's driving me nuts. It really is driving me nuts. Anything you have to relearn the brain because the brain wants to say, no, we're doing it this way. We're going to go, ah, no, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's tricky. So um, it's, but yesterday that, but another woman came up to me and she was tearful and just said, I appreciated the terror for the first time of what it must be like to go out to somewhere like that. And she said, but for the boys as well, I said, they won't, usually won't admit, they did to me admit to terror, but I said, Stax himself says that going out to one of the big two, it's like you've been beamed down off the Starship Enterprise. And this time Scotty has well and truly got the coordinates buggered because he, for even for him, frontline decorated, you know, man, he's, in um, close protection now, he's, he's doing that. He found that, uh, and he said, I think, he said a lot of misreaction to me was that um, he realized how vulnerable I was out there, that, you know, what was I doing there? And I suppose he said he was compensating more the other way. So I think it's to try and give people um, a view into something. I have, yeah. quite, I have quite a bizarre view of the world, I think. I do, um, I, do. I don't 
I, 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 yes, I have a, a view of the world and it's to share that, but it's also to define what we share, what do we yeah. respond to, where are we the same, and also to, to celebrate individual approaches to things. But that, you know what, think, what, what you're saying now is really what I've discovered over the time is that art has a way of making us, well, it's you, you've entertained now, but you also have opened up a, a view of this war zone that we've read about or and, and we saw on television, but you were there firsthand and you, through comedy, you sort of make us realize what really went on through there for a person from the outside. You know, it's different when you're in the forces, but for you from the outside, what you've experienced there and isn't it amazing how art brings that? Yes. Yeah. It, it's uh, the whole thing about going on the stage and dancing. There was a, a, a kid, I remember watching in the front row, there was a kid and he was wearing his uniform like a snuggle blanket. He was, he must've been doing his year for the queen. He must've been 17 and we're in the middle of nowhere because they took us to the outlying bases where they never had entertainment. And he just was like this at the, at the comedians. And I went on stage and I remember just watching him Ah, oh, and point like a kid. Yeah, that was it. That and then I got Reggie, one of his company, on the stage. Sorry, this always. And Reggie was one of the best I ever had at it. And um, sorry. Mm -hmm. I think it's because they're so young. Uh, yeah. Just uh, you know, as old up, and Reggie was a hero because he, because he, was so determined. And this is me as a as, as a creative person. The thing about he was one of the ones who had the best response. I wrapped myself up in a scarf, and you look at me with great laughs. He was hysterical, but he was determined to do his jeté every time, and he banged his head on the lights because he jumped so high in the gig itself. He was, it was mentioned in the Times Diary, and the, the, that happened because they were sending experts home. He was her hero for everywhere because he took the, 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 my set and he made it his own. He kept making me wait so he, he could do, I've got a bit here, I need to work out my bit. And it was fascinating in watching him. He was in the logistics of tank regiments. He's got that kind of really logical brain. Watching him take on what we're doing. He had to get this right, and he was gonna take time. It was one of my most fascinating gigs ever, and it went over time. He was going to take his time to work out what he had to do and how I needed him to do it, but what he was gonna to bring to it. That, we hung out for the rest of that week, and that was a special moment for them, that they, he was a hero around the camp. Hmm. This is so touching, really. and. Yeah, and, and like you say, so young, and they are, you know, they had to fight there and experience all that. But now, Istan, I want also want to say to you that at your age, and I'm I'm saying that with, because I'm also 56. <laughs> I'm 57 actually, but I still say I'm 57. But um, but isn't it amazing that we can now? still do things you know and and there, there was uh, there was a time where, where you always thought if you reached 50 or if you reach 40 even then you're 
your career is sort of over but now it's yeah. we live in a time where we can reinvent and and do things and like you said I mean your voice is so amazing and you you can still do so much with that so I really admire you for that and and it's really inspiration and I think it's it's I, it, this is something that younger people should also see to think um you know what is we we have a lifetime in front of us to inspire and to do things and to have joy you know joy in doing things it's to be in the moment it is yeah. that you must be in the moment and not think so much ahead what's now and, and and not be in the past you must know where you came from but it's yeah. very if you're always thinking about the overness of things that they're finished that's never yeah. a good idea yeah. No, it's a moment, particularly in the arts. I think maybe that's what the arts does teach us is is the present. Mm. That is, you've got to be, what's that now? Not yeah. this. Because if you think ahead, you know this. If you think ahead in the performance, you fin you're finished. You just do. You have to, no, back now. Or if you're going, oh, that bit, no, now. Yeah. I think that's written on my... um. Uh, should be written on everyone's laptop screens. Just no dash now exclamation. Mark. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a good way. Button. Yeah, I will. I will now. remember this yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now we do it. But yeah. thank you, thank you so. Much. Oh, you have to do a shout out first uh, before we go. Um, do you have a favorite coffee place or a favorite restaurant or a shout out to any any um. Uh, yeah, restaurant that that you have in the area. Yeah, in in my area, um, I love to go to the. Do you know what? There's a coffee link in the um, cafe in in this in the supermarket in Leicester that I go in. That does yeah. the best decaf and lovely things. So there's that I love. No, I mean I'll give a shout out to Hellis Construction because he is um, my greatest mate in the world who's support, been really supportive of the city because he was my neighbour. Ellis Construction, he stands for all the good in life. He's really? the kindest person, most professional, most thoughtful. So yeah, I would say him. Okay. And I wouldn't be here, standing here, able to do this now if he hadn't, you know, yeah. been so, come on, you got this, you got this, you got this. It's such a support because we were neighbours during lockdown. Him, Ellis Construction. Oliver Hellis. I am going, does he have a website? Then I put his website on the description as well. Yeah, Oliver Hellis Construction. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, no, we'll do that. Okay. And I'll tag him in the in the Facebook post as well. We'll give yeah. him a bit of attention. Yeah, Oliver Jack Hellis. On Facebook, it's Oliver Jack Hellis. Yes, do that. Okay, please. okay. Fantastic. Thank you so much. You've entertained oh, you. me so wonderfully and, and uplift my my whole weekend now. Thank you. Yeah. You too. It's been, it's been a, a treat to do this. Thank you. Oh, I'm so glad. Thank you you are a wonderful. I, I feel so privileged that I met you. You're such a Thank kind you. and wonderful person, really. And I, my wish is that I meet you one day in person. We will. Definitely we will. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Okay, Stan. Bye. Thank bye. you again. Bye-bye. Bye. bye. bye.